Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, we're going to be in the book of 2 Chronicles. Some of you are like, where the heck is that? 2 Chronicles is in the Old Testament. It's about a third of the way through a paper Bible. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 is where we're going to be. And just to get us started, I was online the other day, and I think it's called clickbait. It's where you see something or you read something, and it's trying to get you to go, hmm, I wonder what that's about. Oh, I wonder what that's about. Uh, and so here's what I found. This, this thing, it was the 10 most wanted items that will be on everyone's wish list. Yeah, I had to click it. So here's where it went. The first one was this. And I thought, what the heck is that? It's not on my wish list. Uh, so some of you, those, whatever, UGG, classic, ultra minis. Okay. Next one, I didn't even know what it was. The Dyson Air Wrap Styler. I figured out, right, is that a hair thing? If it ain't going to make it grow, I'm not interested. <laughs> so basically, it was this list of things that it could be on someone's most wanted list, but didn't really excite me all that much. There was one, number 10 was a little interesting because I was in somebody's house the other day and they had one of these little robot sweeper things and I thought, okay, me like, could get one of those. But most of it was it wouldn't have been on my priority list, but it brings up the idea that I think most of us can agree on, most of us on any given moment have kind of a most wanted list in our mind, things that we would prioritize or we think, oh yeah, I need one of those. I just got a new one on my list this last week. I had a meeting, was this last week, uh, yeah, maybe it was a week ago, had a meeting. I'm going to do a wedding, which I don't do very many weddings anymore, coming up uh, this fall. And what came on my list was, I probably need to get a suit that will fit my old man body. It's a new thing on my list, because I tried my suit on the other day, and something changed with my suit, <laughs> apparently. Apparently, it shrunk in the closet or something. Just some, of you, some of you have no idea, what, but some of you older people, you're like, yeah, Something's wrong with all the fabric in the world now, because it just doesn't work anymore. Anyway, so that began to be on my list of, oh, I should figure out that. Uh, this last week, I had a couple days away with my wife, and one of the things on my want list was I just wanted to relationally reconnect with my wife. Every once in a while, it's good to just go, okay, let's get back together, make sure we're on the same page, because I don't know about you, but... Uh, it's easy to drift away from some of those super important relationships, and so that was on my most wanted list. You probably have one. If you pause and think, think, oh, yeah, this is on my, it's, it's kind of a to-do list or a priority list, and some of yours might be really even uh, much deeper than some clothes that fit. Some of it might be, I just want one day without heavy anxiety. Like, I just want one day where I'm not, or uh, could be that you have an, a physical illness that you're hoping for maybe the Lord to heal. Or Does that make sense? We all have 
those lists, I think. And where we're going to head today is this question, where does God fit on our most wanted list? I know we're at church, and there's probably a bunch of us that do a really good job of keeping him right up there at the very, very, very top. Uh, Probably most of us, even if we would say that verbally, we understand that it's a struggle to keep him at the center. It could be there's some of us that are just exploring God and Jesus Christ, and we're like, I don't know, I'm thinking about it. Uh, But today I'm going to try to give you some motivation to move him to the top and keep him in the to- in, at the top. And part of this has to do with our Chasing God week, where we are, as a church family, trying to focus a week on getting God at the center and pursue him, pursuing him. By the way, it's a good thing to do with our lives. Here's some Bible verses. Psalm 34.10 says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That's a good reason to seek the Lord. Another verse. Uh, This is a command. It's the first command of what's known as the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20. And it says, you shall have no other gods, little g, little gods, before me. So it's commanded by God. He should be number one. Next. Deuteronomy 6, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. How you know it's easy for our heart to love lots of other things? Amen? Like to get attached to, oh, I really love that. Jamaica mocha latte whatever, like, oh yeah, never go a day without six of those. <laughs> but it's easy to fall in love with all kinds of things, but the Bible says, no, how about you, we should love the Lord your God with all your heart. One more verse. Jesus is teaching here, part of a big section of his teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, but seek first his kingdom, talking about God's kingdom, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So hold that thought. Again, we're in this kickoff of chasing God this week, and my wish today is just to bring us some motivation, not to engage in the opportunities this week, yes, but also to remember there's nothing better that we can do with our life than try to put God at the very top of our want list. And we're going to learn from a verse that if you've been in the church or around Christianity for a long time, you've probably heard this verse. It's associated with different revival and moments where God did amazing things. Uh, and if you, if you hang around the church for a long time, maybe you're brand new, you'll hear this verse every once in a while. Second Chronicles 7.14. Well, first let me tell you what's going on here. Uh, at the time of the writing of this, it's a pretty good season for God's people. They had a really, really good king. His name was David. And then David passed the kingdom 
onto his son Solomon, who was a really, really wise man. So it's a good season. And Solomon has just finished building the temple of God. It was a seven-year building project, amazing place. And you could simplify the temple of God was supposed to be a place where people sought after him. Supposed to be that kind of a place. So they build that, and then uh, just a little after that, Solomon the king and God, Solomon gets to have a very personal interaction with God where Solomon can hear the voice of the Lord. And here's what God says to Solomon He says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, that's why I chose this verse, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. By the way, let's go back and read that again. It sounds a lot like, if my people will chase after God, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. There's a lot in those few sentences. But I want to point out two things that I think should motivate us to chase after God. So the title of the talk is Chasing God, Why Seeking Him Matters. And basically we're going to look at a couple benefits of having God in our, on our must-have list. Let's pray for a minute. If I stand up here and talk without you teaching us, Lord, it'll, it'll uh, be a waste of these folks' time. So, will you be our teacher? And I'm just reminded of that you're a God who speaks to us personally. And so, will you, like, weave your voice into the next 20 minutes that we might be able to hear you well? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two ideas from the text. The first one is this. God on our must-have list opens communication. Having God on our must-have list opens communication. We get this from the verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble and seek my face, then it says, then... I will hear. Then I will hear. This is a pretty simple word, this idea of hearing. We'll put it up on the screen. It's it, 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 nothing super deep here. It means to hear, to give heed, to give. Now, this may, this may matter. It means to give earnest heed, listen, or listen attentively. How many of you know there's a difference between listening and listening attentively? Have you ever heard of selective listening? Have you ever experienced it? I'm, I'm experiencing it right now because I know half of you are not listening to what I say. Well, you're sort of listening, but you're kind of not. Uh, selective listening is like when you go to a family gathering and someone says, hey, the food's ready. Everybody hears that. Then when someone says, could someone change the dishes out of the dishwasher? Nobody hears that. Does that? <laughs> got, a, got a couple responsible people going, yeah, that's my family. We have a prayer team. They can pray for your pathetic family if you just, just drag them all up here. All right. 
Uh, what was the point? Oh, so this, this selective listening kind of, by the, this is a real thing. Last week I was out in our atrium, which can be kind of crowded at times. This is a little side thing. Um, my daughter, Anna, was probably 15 feet from me. She didn't know I was there. The, the point of this is different people tune into different voices and you can hear those voices. And I wasn't thinking about this talk or anything, but I thought, I wonder if I say something to her quietly, whether my daughter Anna will hear my voice in the midst of all this. And so I said, hey, babe. And she went. <laughs> now, maybe it's because she's a babe. <laughs> I never thought of that. Uh, but I think it was because of the thousands of times I've casually said, hey, babe, how are you? you know? And she heard, and I'm telling you, there was a lot going on. But when I said that, she heard, she heard it was kind of fun. Anyway. There's some of this selective listening in God. Now, this might correct some of the things that we may believe. It could be that, you know, your Aunt Gladys told you, she said, listen, Chuggy Book, God hears every prayer you ever pray, and God always hears, right. Did she talk like that? Let's just take a look at some verses that help us have a better understanding of when or if or how God listens. So in James 5.16, it says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That makes a difference. Side note. Uh, how to say that? The group of us, you should be, we should be so grateful for the death of Jesus Christ on the cross because he paid the price for our unrighteousness so that we can be righteous and we can go to God in prayer and he will listen. All right? Other group might be in the room. You should run to Jesus because if we're living in sin and think, oh, it's no big deal. God hears me all of this. And we don't have Jesus Christ as our Savior. Can I just tell you, you might be talking and in a very real sense, God will be like, can't hear you. Because sin, listen, sin is a barrier because of our imperfections. It, it is a barrier between us and a perfect God. Our, does that, our junk cannot go into the holiness of God. It does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. We think, oh, yes, no, it doesn't. Because if his holiness, we should probably talk more about this, his holiness will not be cluttered up because of our, from our unholiness. That's why we need Christ to make us, to clean us, to wash away our sins so that we can be with God. All right? That was just a little side note of the mini gospel in there. Back to the point. Isaiah 59.1. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Isaiah 1.15. I don't want this for us. It says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. 
So there are times when God is not listening, not hearing. I want to go a little deeper into this next text. In Matthew 15, 22, Jesus is traveling. And you may not understand this, but when Jesus was uh, doing his earthly ministry, his mission was toward the Jewish people. Now, ultimately, his death on the cross was to open the door to all people. Amen. Yay. Are you glad about that? But when he was there, his mission was to the Jewish people to kind of give them first chance. All right. So he's traveling. And uh, here's what this story in Matthew 15 says. It says, a Canaanite woman, a non-Jew, from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And she describes, my daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now, you would think, because of most of the Jesus story that we read, this is one of those where Jesus will go, ha ha, that's why I came. But instead, because she was not a Jew, he didn't listen to her. He just kept going. And if you read the text, it describes, basically, he keeps walking and she keeps talking. So, you know, he's going and she keeps saying, have mercy on me. I need your help. I don't know what she was saying. I need your help. Please, I need your help. And she did this so much that the disciples with Jesus are thinking, can we do something to shut her up? Because it's getting tedious listening to her cry out. So the next verse says, So his disciples came to Jesus and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And then here's the part I love. The woman came and knelt before him. That's Jesus. May not have happened this way, but this is what I picture. Jesus is on the move. And she comes and she plants herself right in front of him. And then she goes, Right? Because he's like, I'm going someplace. And she's like, blocking him out here. And somehow she stops him because of her urgency. And long story short, she says probably the same prayer again. I need you, God. I need, I need you. My daughter is miserable, demon-possessed. This is I. And you know what happens? Because she... <laughs> gets in his face, arguably, what happens by the end of the story? God says, Jesus says, okay. And he says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Here's a fill in the blank, something to think about. Chasing God is about urgently kneeling in hopes God actively listens. Chasing God is a big group of us figuratively and sometimes uh, literally getting on our knees and saying, God, we got this stuff going on. I know this situation, I need help with this, and we need you bad. In hopes that God will say, I see that. You really do have faith, don't you? And then he responds. 
So to finish up this point, here's a kind of an assignment question for us, if you haven't thought about this already. What is on your heart to bring before the Lord? And I would encourage you, as we look at this Chasing God week, pick one or two or three things and decide, Lord, I'm pursuing you on behalf of could be something for you, you know, my, in hopes that you will heal my anxiety, and on hopes that you will open the door and fix my relationship with my brother, or I'm going to get before you, God, and because I really want my father-in-law to get saved. Or, like, it's whatever your thing is, but will you think about, will you pick something, two or three things, and just decide this, this you know, this week, you're just going to be this, bringing up the same thing. God, I need your help with this. Or she needs your help with this in hopes that God will hear. So, God on our must-have list opens communication, and the other thing we'll talk about is it unleashes healing. Did I fill in all the blanks for the first point? Did we get them all? God on our must-have list unleashes healing. We've kind of touched on this already. But if you're doing a physical handout, circle unleashes, and not just the healing, but unleashes, because there's a part of this text that's curious to me, when it says, we'll put it up there, right, if my people will seek my faith, if my people will chase God, be urgent about him, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and then it says, I will heal their And then it doesn't say, I will heal their hearts, I will heal their problems, I will heal them physically. It says, I will heal their land, which is curious to me, because I know, pretty sure, God doesn't care as much about dirt as he does about people, right? But he uses this broad word, I will heal heal their land. The word land there, it's what it means, it means earth, it could be translated earth, Land, I will heal their countries, their lands, their countryside. It could be, I will heal, heal the countryside. So here's my best guess of what this broad term implies. You can write this in. This is what I think. When we seek God healing, this is the longest fill in the blank we've had so far this year, trickles out all over the place. It's like the ripple effect of the presence of God responding to people who say, I want you. And I want to share a story. This has got to be one of my favorite uh, records of when a group of people sought after God, like chasing God, 
for an extended period of time, and God heard and responded. And we're going to look at the ripple effect of what his presence did. In uh, 1904 and 5, it's about a year, there was what's called the Welsh Revival, where uh, a group of people, primary leader in it was Evan Roberts, but a whole group of people began to pray and fast and seek God, and there was there were services and preaching and response and prayer and all this stuff was going on for an extended period of time. And uh, here's, uh, it was in Wales, and so here's Wales, just a little bitty, it's not very big. It's about the size of just northern Indiana, the top half, you know, that's the whole country. But God showed up there, and here's some of the Uh, historical accounts of what happened in the land as a result of God responding to the prayers and urgency of the people. So here we go. It says, the impact of the Welsh revival touched essentially, look at this, every aspect of Welsh society. With 100,000 throughout Wales professing faith, there were, and they described it as, permeating effects. <laughs> Here's some of the specifics. Drunkenness was immediately cut in half, and many taverns went bankrupt. Now, I know a few of you are concerned right now. But, you, it's, but can we go a little bit deeper than a weekend buzz and think a little bit more about God, all right? Some of you are like, nope, selective listening. I'm not listening anymore. Come on! Can I, uh-oh, yeah, we're going there. Side note. No, we're not. Coming back. All right. But get a, pic, get a picture of this. Crime was so diminished that Judges were presented with white gloves signifying that there were no cases of murder, assault, rape, or robbery or the like to consider. Judges had nothing to do in Wales. How far, how far backed up is our judicial system right now? Okay, we don't want to talk about that. Police became unemployed in many districts. The last one's funny. Stoppages occurred in the coal mines, not due to unpleasantness between management and workers, but because so many foul-mouthed miners became converted and stopped using foul language, the horses which handled the coal trucks in the mines could no longer understand what was being said. Here's what I would ask of you. Some of you'll you'll get this right right away. I think we could use more of that consequence of the Spirit of God in our culture right now. We need more of that. Anybody tired of the stories of ungodliness in our schools? 
Anyone tired of the immorality that's running rampant? And I know a lot of these things people are chasing after. We're chasing after them because we're broken and we're, we're, we have a hole in our heart. Listen, none of this stuff, the best IPA, beer, blah, 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 we do not need a new brewery in town because breweries won't fix anything that's broken inside of us. Does that make sense? It doesn't. Why do we go after that stuff? Because we need, most of the time, because we need stuff in here. It won't work. We don't need, does it make sense? To like, well, I know what we really need. We just need better pay for teachers, and that'll fix the school. And that might be a nice thing to do, but you know what we really need in the schools? We need God. Because, does, does that make sense? We need God. I need God. I don't primarily need a suit that will fit the old man body. I need God. Does that make sense? You do that. You, but you need God. Can I just get in your face? Some of the stuff that we chase after so often, if I just had a bigger paycheck, if I just could get the walls painted in my living room, or if my car just had air conditioning, or if I could just see the fall colors, then everything will work. It is not true. They are temporary, short-term, many times tangents to what we really, really need. And we need God. Um, here's a quote that I made up. Because sometimes you can't find somebody else said it, so I thought I'd say it myself. We spend too much time treating symptoms of a sickness that only God can heal. So chasing God is about, let's go to the source of healing and help and prioritizing him. So Zechariah is going to come up. We're going to sing a song to finish our time, kind of kick off the Chasing God week. But I'll fill in these last three fill-in-the-blanks. Ready? Here's challenges for us. Join in. Look at your calendar this week and decide. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I can come to Tuesday night. I know you may not be able to do every night, but I'm going to, like I'm going to come to third, you know, just decide and be part of the group of people that's leaning in. Second one we've already dealt with, identify a prayer need. We already talked about that. And the last thing is, what's the third challenge? Bethany, can we go to the next one? Believe for a ripple effect. Why don't you stand? No, don't. Sit right there. And if you need the words, if you want to help me sing the chorus, you can. But mostly this thing is not about singing a song. It's about praying a prayer. And we can put the words up on the screen now. It's a very simple song. We do it around here. But it says, oh God, oh God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you. What I love is now. God, like, we need you now. And so if it's, if it's good for you to sing the song with as we pray, if it's better for you to just be praying whatever you can do now, but wouldn't it be great if a couple hundred people right now were together saying, God, we need you. So uh, here's the chorus. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. 
rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Back to the beginning. It's our prayer. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Can we go back and do it again, but, but, but make it we need you? It goes like this. Oh God, our God, we need you. Oh God, our God, we need you now. How we need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, we're standing. We're standing on your faithfulness. Why don't you stand for closing prayer? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.